What's going on, everybody? This is James Grant, James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, I have a special guest, Anthony Stokes, creator of Decay, a supernatural revenge horror tale. Thank you, sir, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We just had a, we had to talk about some black indie art and uh, to to see my comic book uh, on that shelf among some other black creators is, is going to be fantastic. Bro, it will happen in time, most definitely. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you nonetheless. Um, mainly the talk that we were happen- happening is, was more so based on the fact that we are not a monolith to our way of thinking especially in black indie, because every single genre that I have literally here behind my wall are different genres that within mainstream that anybody can basically reach out to. So to add yours to the collection is more than worthy. Yeah. And anytime somebody, cause I, I'm, especially when I first started on Twitter, I didn't have a big following and I still don't, you know, we work on, that's why we here. Right. Yeah. But like, you're not you're not having me on for the clout. You know, it's, it's for the, the genuine love of the, the culture. So that 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 means a whole lot. So I really I really do appreciate being here. No know? doubt, man. So let's dive into Decay real quick. So first question I wanted to basically get into is that you've described this book for people that have a general interest in basically a lot of mainstream character pro- properties like The Crow, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Lovecraft Country, Monkey Bone. Why? Why those? Oh, I'm sorry. Monkey's Paul. Yeah. So why? those? It's a lot different. I I said monkey bone. That's a that's a group. Shit. (laughs) But um, more so, like, why did you choose those properties over anything? In the original, the original Kickstarter had uh, don't be a menace to society as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so essentially, it's just about the feeling of dread, that feeling of like a hand tightening around your throat you know what i'm saying like that kind of just like oh like that that bad feeling you can't shake that's that's what we going for you know what right. i'm saying and the reason why i went for dread is because especially starting out and this is a this is a a, a pseudo realistic it's a, it's a low concept is what i would say mm-hmm. there's no superheroes you know what i'm saying so it's like you gotta keep people entertained what do you do? You add that dread so that you're constantly feeling something. You want your audience to feel something, the whole thing, so that the dread will kind of pull its own weight and add a tone throughout the, the whole story. For sure, for sure. And uh, interestingly, in this plot, I mean, you you chose a particular setting be, and, it, and it does res- resolve around like the entire storyline. So you chose the setting of New Orleans. And mm-hmm. why in in this type of distinction did you choose that setting? All right, so there's the like there's the cynical answer, and then there's like the the, the like the writer uh, proper answer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a screenwriter, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I, that's that's what I did originally. And um, while I love making comic books, it's super fulfilling. I love it. Um, my heart, I want to be like I want to be a movie director. You know what I'm saying? Got you. Like the joy that people get from reading comic books, that's what I get from watching like a movie or, or a TV show. So it's like, it's like, a, it, it's good, but it's like, and also I love writing dialogue. So comics aren't, it, it's, it's important, but it's not necessarily the focus of a comic book. It's a visual medium. It's so true. You, you it, don't want to overtake the, the paneling and the pages with a lot of dialogue. So that was a, it's a, it's a little bit of, you have to use restraint. Mm-hmm. So um, New Orleans, because of Hurricane Katrina, 
you get a tax break if you film there. So I was like, hmm, they're going to make a lot of hard R comic book movies coming soon. They're going to make a lot of original hard R comic books uh, movies. Why not kind of get in on that? So I'm like trying to like, I'm trying to like predict the trend and, and eat off of that basically. Um, so that that's why that's the original thought process. And then the, 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 the writer reason to pick New Orleans is because um, New Orleans almost has like a comic book lore. It does. It's, it's almost got like, it's almost got, it's got a history. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It's like, it's a melting pot within a melting pot, which is America. Mm-hmm. So you got Creole, French, um, West Indie, all American, Southern culture, like it's uh, South American culture. Mm-hmm. um central american culture like it's it's just all these different things coming together in one place sounds like so that's interesting absolutely I, I can't wait to go you know saying so this campaign <laughs> pop off i'll buy a ticket but um and then did you have the 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 hurricane katrina is not a i, I want to be kind of like an undercurrent mm-hmm. for the comic book like i think there's stories that are about social commentary and those are great I think there's stories that aren't about it. And, and right. we, we, we had a conversation about everything being political. Yeah. I think if you're going to make social commentary, make it, make it really, make it like really subtle or make it all the way about that. Don't do, don't do something in the middle to where you're, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, you're making a subpar product and your, your, your message is getting washed away. So that, that's another reason. Just like that's that, that kind of like, that's, what I would imagine if you stayed in Hurricane uh, in New Orleans after that, I feel like you would you would feel some dread. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would feel a little, you know, you feel a little unsafe, you know. So that that's why that's a really long answer for why I picked New Orleans. Nah, nah, yeah, totally understood. And one of the one of the particular aspects of like one of the panels that that was drawn is uh, when Jess uh, Jess Kane was basically like visiting her parents' grave. And if you've ever seen those cemeteries in New Orleans, they have those graves that are like on top of one another. Above ground. Yeah, like above ground, almost like a, what do they call those? Uh, a mausoleum in perspective, basically above ground. And you see her there and you see other names that are like right next to it. And then everything's pretty much above ground. There's not those uh, those tombs are basically grave sites that are in the ground. There's a, the cemeteries are massive in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, man, that that's yeah, that's exactly how they look. So yeah. basically, if if we were like to throw your screenwriter hat on and look at the way that you basically put this, um, put this book together, mm-hmm. there's a lot. Um, basically, what you said earlier, um, how you've described how you wrote this story personally, using dialogue for some leans, uh, for some panels, and then also using just description where there's no dialogue at all. How do you manage that from page to page? Well, I think I think screenwriting is a visual medium. I think comp, people argue comic books are a more visual medium because there's no sound. So mm-hmm. it all comes from visual storytelling. Like when you're when you're telling the story visually, right? Like some of your favorite scenes have no dialogue. You know what I'm saying? Like there's that's almost like, yeah, like I'm trying to think. I mean, hey, let's think of uh, what's the movie? I'm trying John Krasinski. Uh, don't don't what is it i'm sorry with the monsters and stuff oh, and they have to be quiet quiet place quiet place right like part of what makes a quiet place so cool is that like they have to do the world building and the family cannot communicate through traditional means right mm-hmm. so there is 
there is dialogue, but it's not spoken. So it's like kind of dialogue. So that's just an example of trying to be clever and, and it kind of it, it writes you in a corner that you have to write yourself out of. Mm. Also, again, from a cynical perspective, um, the more pages that don't have dialogue, a little bit, I get to save a little bit of money. You know what I'm saying? Like these, these things ain't cheap. So, you know, you got to put your creator producer hat on too. True. True. Now, can we talk about the uh, the intricate plot that basically brings this storyline to uh, an early climactic beginning with uh, the untimely demise and the death of Marcus and DK? Mm -hmm. You want my thought process on that? Mm -hmm. All right. So, yeah. And um, so you want to start. So the anatomy of a scene, I would say the four elements of a scene are story tone theme and character mm -hmm. so that's what individual scenes when you see something really good like a pulp fiction um you know it's like it's all four every scene has all four an element of all four and it's firing on all cylinders the reason why opening scenes are so good is because because they have all those four elements so right. we that that was include that and you get it very swiftly. You very swiftly understand what this is. This is about, this is, this is um, very bleak. We understand this is going to be the start of a character arc. We understand that this is going to be about death or grief or something like that. I said tone story. Uh, and then it's the start of the story. Like, right? Like, so, right. so that's why I did it. Also, you are going to know very immediately if the case for you or not. Mm. Now, also, um, I got to grip people. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I say on every interview, nobody owes me anything. Mm -hmm. Even the people that owe me something don't feel like they owe me anything. Right. People that care about me, people that love me. You think everybody in my family donated? No. So mm -hmm. I have to win people over that ultimately don't care about me. How do I do that? I got to have, I can't, I can't wait like, oh, five, six, seven pages. It's going to be, this is going to be amazing. Like, no, you got to get them. You got to get them immediately. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing, because you kind of like trick the audience, because literally through the beginning of the Kickstarter campaigns, you you have this one panel of DK standing over the body of Marcus. And you're thinking ultimately in this story, if you if you've never read issue one or issue two, that pretty much Marcus is going to be the protagonist, that he's going to be the one that's going to be resurrected. And then when you finally read issue one, you're like, oh, shit. Marcus goes too. DK goes to I'm sorry DK goes to right that's the twist that's the twist and that's the thing that's like okay um so there's ob like so another thing that was that's missing from decay issue one is exposition or really heavy-handed exposition mm -hmm. and we think of exposition is something that you need to understand to understand the plot mm -hmm. so if we think about Star Wars what's the exposition um there's two war there's the rebels there's the uh republic the rebels are, are getting beat up. Basically, mm -hmm. there's a robot. There's Princess Leia. Oh, that's the exposition, and the re the way that Star Wars gets around that is having it all at the beginning, and then from the rest of it, it is it is um visual storytelling, right? Right. Don't at no point does a character say like we have to rescue Princess Leia, whose father is blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, exposition. There's no exposition. Um, I wanted all the you don't even know DK's name till the second issue, unless you got the uh, variant cover which was in the style of Tales from the Crypt, little plug, mm -hmm. plug there. Um, because I didn't want to have it shoot. like, hey, DK, pass me that bottle. Again, I'm thinking about, I want every line of dialogue mm -hmm. to be fantastic or brief. 
That's the goal. Um, so yeah, there's no exposition. So, um, damn, I'm not gonna lie. I forgot. I'm so tired, bro, with this campaign. What was your question? No, no. For for the most part, like, what was it like to basically trick the audience? Because right in that aspect. Yeah. So you want to keep things. I, I just want, yeah, I wanted to catch them. I wanted to catch them off guard and, and something like, again, this isn't, this isn't like, this isn't like Superman. This is an established property. So you got to get them somehow. Oh, I know what my point was. I was, I feel buster just now. Okay. So they're talking about <laughs> bringing somebody back from the dead with voodoo. And mm. you think they're talking about Marcus. So that's kind of obvious, right? That's really right. obvious foreshadowing. Yeah. But then you turn it on its head. And it's like, oh, like this is actually for DK is essentially talking about himself. Mm. So that was to get around that, like, because that I think I think if that's the most obvious piece of storytelling, then I'll eat that. And then you even flip it on its head. So I think it I think it kind of uh, I think it's a bit clever if I do say so myself. That's, that's, that's true. Great. Now, there's um, there's a lot of perception, of course, around the religious undertones that you brought up in the in in the book now uh you talked about voodoo now what do you, what is your i guess opinion about the stigma of about voodoo as a religious culture i'm so glad you asked me about that because something one when you get a physical copy the word voodoo is not in it because right western media has vilified voodoo and made it something that's really ugly really grimy really dirty right it was a big deal to me to just be like this is a this is a set of beliefs Hating mm-hmm. on somebody because of their beliefs, we know what that looks like historically. Right. That's wrong. We understand that. So when you see her shrine, I was like, I, in the script I wrote, she's smiling. She's this is a this is a pleasant moment that she's having with herself. This isn't like her cutting a head off of a chicken or something like that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that 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 shrine is gorgeous. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, so that it's bright, it's well lit, and well, even better, she doesn't bring her they he asked why didn't you bring your will be the final script your your stuff from your shrine mm-hmm. she said mom and dad were christian so she, what yeah. does that tell you she's respectful of other people's beliefs so it's very subtle character building so we don't have to stop the plot because again i only got so many pages uh i don't know if people know this but when you're writing a comic book at least from a lot of printers you have to do them divisible by four because they take a sheet of paper mm-hmm. they they, they folded so that's one two three four so you can't do 23 pages as we 24 so you have to be real economical and i mean that like on multiple ways yeah how many so i had to be really i had to build character where i can really subtly it's almost like like i call it run and gun like it's like all right you get like this detail this detail this detail and before you even realized it i fully fleshed out this i mean not fully but i fleshed out this character somewhat within three pages yeah while well, still telling the story do you feel like uh, even though maybe it wasn't it wasn't that built up within issue one or issue two, because this is a five page arc that there'll be a more established meaning with maybe Jess Kane as far as how big voodoo is in her life? I think the voodoo, the voodoo is kind of like it's in there to, to as a plot point. And like I said, hopefully it I represented it well, but mm-hmm. that's not it's a brother and story, a brother and sister story. OK. So not really. And um, I don't think I don't like I don't know how much more character development you, you need. I, I made a joke. Like, what do you need to know her? Like, because some people were like, oh, the characters are underdeveloped or something like that. Like, what do you, you need? Their SAT scores. <laughs> you, you need you know what I'm saying? Like you need a social security number. Like what more do you need? Like when you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, 
and I'm a, I'm a big, uh, begrudgingly a big Tarantino fan. Mm-hmm. When Vincent Vega pops up from Pulp Fiction, you know what he's about. You don't need to know his backstory. All you know about him is that he came from Amsterdam. That's it. Mm-hmm. But you understand him. You understand these characters because of you, you, you like throw a, you, you, you like screen grab a moment that defines them as characters and you keep it pushing. Mm. Okay. Um, now, basically, when we look at the issue one where DK, of course, was resurrected, how, what, what similar, I guess, traits or anything you may have looked at in modern media that made you look at resurrection as a tool for a plot in a story? I think it was the I. It's like the playing God aspect, right? Mm-hmm. And even what I really enjoyed was playing with the tropes of like the zombie. Like the last page is very reminiscent of Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. The first page of issue two is very like who you know what I'm saying. And and I like that because it's like all right, we're playing with horror because this is a kind of a silly story. Like for me, you know, this is a you know what I'm saying like it's you can't take it too seriously. Yeah. So it's nice to just kind of throw in those little things that like, hey, we're in, a, you know, we can have a good time with this, too. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, so it was it, I, I, I genuinely feel as if Decay is pretty original. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong. I told people all the time, don't worry about being original because I'm sure you've seen Kickstarters that um, are like homages to uh, to popular big two comic books. Oh, absolutely. Do they sell? Some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they make they make bands. Like they- and, and and the thing is even if they're parodies of certain properties, they'll yeah. they'll sell. Uh, not even in the aspect that they're carbon copies. They could obviously be making fun of mm-hmm. that that current property. You're describing yet, Deadpool. Yeah. Like totally the biggest comic book character ever. Yeah. And just literally like take it on as a parody. Like I'm actually making fun of this character. I think this character is awful. Therefore I made a character yeah, because of it. And yet I'm still going to make bank because my, my whole, my whole stick is that I'm going to bash the hell out of this character. It's funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and even on that back row. So I, I see some comic books, but I had, like most of them are cover up, but I see the, 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 the one with the doctor doing. So if I'm walking by, right, a booth, mm-hmm. and let's say you had all those comic books lined up, and let's say you're not you're not you or me who who kind of sees these kickstars, we're aware we're aware of what's going on. What's the first person the person's gonna look at the Doctor Doom? I love Doctor Doom. Yeah. My dad loves Doctor Doom. Yeah. And you know if you and if you're a hip hop fan, you're gonna see the MF Doom mask. You're gonna be like, Yo, what is that? What is that? Exactly. So it it does behoove you a little bit to be not original. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's not a concern, but I don't think there's a lot of influences that I wore on my sleeve too heavy. I feel like it's genuinely something that exists in its own kind of uh, a lane mm-hmm. and almost almost to my detriment because it's hard. to It's hard. It's not easy to sell it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not a it's not a super gory horror. It doesn't it's not NFW. There's no social issues or or you know it's a black comic book but i'm not you know i'm not broadcasting it as such people can take away what they want so it's like looking back what i would i think about making like maybe like a black wolverine or something like that i don't think i don't think about it it'd be easy to sell mm, this is true something, something to think about so <laughs> so uh generally in the story you've 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 also described that um 
morality plays a big part in it. Um, mm -hmm. And that no win situations uh, based on how this is totally described plays a big part. Um, is DK accepting of his fate now that he's been resurrected? I think I want to just um, I do want to like uh, we are in the era of the morally great protagonist. Yeah. You're describing Breaking Bad. You're describing Attack on Titan, Full Metal Alchemist. Like there's a lot of stuff. So we that is the era we're in. And then DK uh accepting his fate is in like that he's dead mm -hmm. i think he's just he he's just out for revenge bro i, th I don't think he even thought about it shit i right. think he i you know i think he 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 wants revenge like, right. you know what i'm saying like my, my thing is like if he if he completes that mission it's like then what man you gotta keep reading <laughs> issues three through five man you yeah, man so so talk about like the emblem's purpose because when he when he got resurrected for the first time of course literally and one it, one of the funniest parts and i don't think anybody <laughs> think it was, i love it bro one of the funniest parts in this was the fact that as soon as he arrives on jess's door she tells him that he stink and yeah. he he just got resurrected and she tells him to go take a shower and he goes to take a shower yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying i thought that that was a funny ass part I can, like, I, can oh. I tell you something else that's great about that is from a, from a nerdy kind of writer perspective is if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, I know you know Trey Stone and Matt Parker are. Yeah, uh, South Park. South Park. So they talk about it and you can watch South Park and realize this. They had a they had a bunch of plot points and they said, if you can put because or therefore between these plot points, mm -hmm. you've got a story. Yeah. If you put, can I cuss on here? Yeah. If you put and then between these plot points, you might've fucked up. That's right. a direct quote. So them saying, yeah, like, like, um, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't want to say a parody, but it's like a, oh, that people say that, oh, let me guess I look like shit. And it's like, oh, you smell like shit, which is kind of like a little bit of clever dialogue, I would say. True. And then saying you need to shower. That's a, because he thinks he takes a shower and because he goes to take a shower, he takes off the necklace because that, you know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a verbal lead into the next scene, Yeah. which I can't tell you how fucking excited. That's how much like I I love this. Like I fucking like it's so. I, I love that things kind of worked out that way. Yeah, that there's a literal because in the it, uh, in the story. Yeah, because I feel like if I was that well, the Lord, if I was ever to run into a zombie, more than likely he would smell like shit. Hey, he just got buried. He just dug. He at least yeah. smell like earth. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> and it, you know what I'm saying? Straight up. Yeah. And it, yeah, it plays into like the, yeah, zombies might stink. Like it, it has a lot of layers and it's simple. And, and I hate, I hate to sound like, oh, uh, you got to really think about this shit. Like it's not that deep, but I'm saying like, yeah. you have to layer stuff like this when you're, when you're story. That's the, that's the beauty of having a simple story is you can layer this stuff mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't it doesn't have to stop to make a point or stop to be a satire. It just keeps on chugging. If you notice it, you notice it. You know, if you know, you know, like like people like to say. Word. Now, as far as like the characters in the story, I know a lot of uh, a lot of writers tend to put a lot of real life people into those mm -hmm. stories. Are are DK, Marcus, Jess, Trey, uh, are, are any of those people real life people in your life? I think the idea of them are. Okay. So we all we all know a tray. Oh yeah. We've all been at house parties and sticky situations and we see a guy walk in, it's like he might he might have to peace out. We know Jess, we know the girl that's like really sweet but kind of morbid, you know, a little a little weird. 
You know, we know DK is kind of a scary, scaredy cat. We know Marx, he's more adventurous, more ambitious. So it's like, do, do we all know these people? Yeah. And that goes back to being able to immediately, immediately identify. It's like shorthand. Like you want to find the human story. When we're making these comic books, we had to find the human story. That's what makes them interesting. A lot of times these um, people will get so caught up in the lore that they've made in their head because they've been working on this for four or five, six years. And they'll tell you like, oh, it's the war between these two factions. And you're like, bro, why should I care? I'm gonna stop you right there. Why should I care? Like what, what is the human element that's going to get me invested into your law? Cause you watch attack on Titan. I've only watched a few episodes. Perfect. What, what happens in the first episode of attack on Titan? His mom gets eaten. We are immediately, there's all kinds of other shit that happens in attack on Titan, but immediately we identify with that character because mm-hmm. he's gone through personal. I mean, it's not too much different from the cave for real. Yeah. Like really like huh? motherfuckers, motherfuckers get smoked. And, and it's like, that's, immediately you identify with that character and then we get into the crazy shit the crazy shit can unravel but i'm invested that's mm-hmm. that's so important right because you know, it's almost like a i guess a an act of care you you've seen this trauma happen in real time to somebody mm-hmm. and then yet you're following this pro- person almost like i hope that nothing happens to him yeah and yet you see this person like fight like hell in order yeah. for them to do so. So like that, that works out in that benefit. Um, now I'd like to, of course, talk to writers about their, their artists. Um, when exactly uh, did this collaboration with Mark Oliver happen? So, um, so I've been working with Mark a little bit. So I, I knew I wanted to write a series. I was like, all right, let me, let me try out. So I got one artist wasn't working out, basically got misled. I got another artist who, we just recently, we actually re- reconciled yesterday, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'll, I'll burn a bridge, but I'll, I'll try to throw that motherfucker back up too. So I'm good there. And so um, Mark just did a great job with the colors and he just, he's just a really good artist. And we, I was like, you know, not only is this somebody I can work with, it's somebody I can grow with. And you'll see issue two, the art is a lot better. Right. To right. Me. And yeah, you know, funny thing is, he doesn't he doesn't speak English. He speaks Portu- uh, Portuguese. He's Brazilian. Oh, he's Brazilian. Okay. Yeah. So it's a it's an ama- it's like amazing that this comic book even gets made. To to be hundred percent honest. So uh, not even in the traditional aspects, he's done penciling, inking, and he's done the coloring in this mm-hmm. book. Yes, and then my good friend, who's like sort of like my mentor, SK, uh, did the lettering. lettering. And so you notice issue one didn't have any onomatopoeias which I wish I knew if it was a conscious choice or not. Um, I certainly didn't. That, that's not why I read comics. So it makes sense that it slipped my mind. But also, there weren't a lot of places for onomatopoeias. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know what yeah. a gunshot looks like. So yeah. like, mm, but now we have onomatopoeias and they're gorgeous. <laughs> you know, the text is gorgeous. Like it, man. So it's it's like I feel like the team is getting better. We're working together. The chemistry is getting better. So the art is only going to go up from here. Definitely. So so pretty much we're we're sold on Mark being on board for for the next three issues. Like this whole arc is oh, going to yeah. be mar- marking you. Yeah, man. Yeah, he does. He does a great work. <laughs> he does great work. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna have him work. If we're not working together on this series, I'm gonna have him do some covers. You know what I'm saying? I'm always gonna work with Mark. I always. You never forget your first. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and, and uh, again, um, the variant covers that basically came out, you've you actually got a collaboration with like, a, I guess, four different four different artists, correct? Four different artists. I'm going to try to. I'm, OK, so I know Lane Lloyd, who is a indie comic darling, Rich Ragsdale, who's actually a director who's gracious enough to give me a co cover. Oh, man. And then I work with. Uh, DNS Portless, who I'm actually, I'm, I think we're talking about making a new series as well. So he, he did the okay. uh, Hurricane Katrina cover, which I think is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And then I forgot, I'm, I'm, uh, last Ra time. Raglan, right? Rich Ragsdale was Ragsdale. the guy who did the retro. And then it was a fourth guy that I, I interacted with him the least. That's why I don't remember, I don't remember um, his name. But right, yeah, some, and the great thing about variant covers is that you can a couple things that are great about variant covers you're not tethered to the style of the artist right mm -hmm. you're 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 completely tethered and and um and i'm attack on titan is my favorite show ever but if you watch an intro to attack on titan it's a lot of foreshadowing it's a lot of like obfuscated images that just leave you just wanting more like mm -hmm. like a good variant cover to me should tell its own story gotcha and that's been really exciting that that's been the, that that's my favorite part of the process to be hundred doing podcasts like this, where I'm really talking, I'm having a great conversation. And then the second part is reaching out to these artists and getting these, these, these great variant covers, you know what I'm saying? And the standard covers are great too. So, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's true. man, I, 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 I feel very fortunate. So, so for somebody of course is now a, a heavy, heavy participant in the indie comic industry. How would you describe the industry? It's amazing, especially coming from screenwriting, the screenwriting community, which I would describe as a uh, pack of piranhas. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it could, because you got to think screenwriting is so competitive, bro. Like, mm. first off, there's nepotism. Mm. Second off, there, there's, there's a, a diver the diversity aspect. And look, it exists. You know, I mean, I know you don't mind hearing about it, but it exists, yeah. bro. There's not a lot of people like that look like us writing screenplays. If it is, he's it's probably Jordan Peele, uh, yeah. Ryan Coogler. Like, it's not a lot. You can kind of Spike Lee. You can count them on one hand. And and the and thing it doesn't is, speak to women as well. It doesn't speak to age. You know, age any any yeah. uh, native any group. So it's like there's that. I'm sorry, you were saying. Nah, I was saying even in some of those mainstream artists, like you talk about a Jordan Peele, like that first Get Out, it, it, that shit took three, it was done. It took three years to actually get greenlit. <laughs> yeah, he had to do Mad TV and then Jordan yeah. Peele, Keon, like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and and um, so it's just harder. So it, it's especially if you look like me, it's especially hard, and then if you posted something that was a little bit off, I'll tell you the, the defining thing for me. If you posted something that was off center, they would tear you to fucking shreds. Oh, do you realize this is a thing, right? You, you know, you realize you did this. I'm like, yeah, it's a conscious, it's a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. uh, man, if somebody on the internet gives you what they consider constructive criticism and you don't like it, bro, just walk away. Mm. Just walk. Don't even argue with them. Just walk away. So yeah, they, they tore my ass up. And I'm like, bro, like, I understand that we want to be fundamentally sound, but who the hell... We we want to watch. We want to write like Quentin Tarantino. We want to write yeah. Marvel movies and shit. You know what I'm saying? We want we want to write the fun shit. And like Jaws is like the is a, is a perfect script. Right. Anybody know who wrote Jaws? No. 
I can't. And it's, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not why we, that's not why you screenwrite to make something that's fundamentally perfect. I wouldn't, I don't think Jaws is a, again, the, probably the best script ever. I don't think there's a lot of personality. Yeah. Not a lot of dialogue either, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking amazing, but it's an amazing movie. It's an amazing script, but you know mm. what I'm saying? So you go to the indie comics and it's like, oh, this is different. I love this. Oh, shit. The only thing that they will tell you, and I'm going to tell you as well, is don't come at me with this big ass, like one piece sized pitch. Mm -hmm. And you haven't made one comic book. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, don't, don't right. do that shit. Because like, I'm, I'm going to tell you like, bro, just stop. I will tell you that shit. Like, I don't have time. I don't have the time, bro. Elevator pitch. But they love that. It's like the Wild Wild West. And they, the indie comics community, they um, champion diversity. Yes, you know what I'm saying? So, and, and we can all eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, there, there's room for everybody. We can feed yeah. off each other. I can't, I can't tell you how many of the people that backed my Kickstarter were indie creators. Exactly. So it's, 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 I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. You know what I'm saying? And of course, there's sour, there's sour apples and stuff like that. But mainly, like it's been, it's been entirely positive. Like it's high, like I have, there's, it's been nothing but great interactions. Anything that's even, and I just brush it off. But it's, it's, it's incredible. I would enjoy. I would, if I had, what I knew now that indie comics Twitter was like it was, man. I can't imagine how much damn uh, uh, money I would have funded for the case you two uh, in one. Yeah. Boy, Man, <laughs> like, look, I, I always say if I knew then what I knew now about indie comics back when I first started buying comics, like I, yeah, but for, first indie comic that I ever bought was a uh, brother man, which was back in like the late 90s. Okay. And like that was like the first indie comic that I ever bought. And the thing is, I bought that one and I still just bought mainstream comics and everything like that. But then, like, of course, through the the circulations of the internet, you come to find out that there's this gigantic community, you know, of, like superior to the point where, you know, Kickstarter can make $30 million off of indie comics alone. And then you come to realize that it, that Kickstarter could literally be a publishing company for, for indie comics. It if, pretty much is. If, if, yeah. If they, if they pseudo said to, but of course, of course they, they, they sell record players and necklaces and shit like <laughs> yeah. that. So they can't be per persuaded. That's what Zoop is, though. Yeah, exactly. And I had the, I had the, I had the found the co-founder of Zoop on last week, and we, and we talked about that. He said basically it's something that comic creators have always been looking for because they yeah. wanted a crowdfunding site that was pertained strictly to them. Yeah, and that. Wow. That works out in their benefit. Kickstarter, of course, has all their other things that Everything. they want that they want to work on, which is totally fine. You're a business. You can work on whatever the fuck you want to work on. You yeah. know, for for people that work in indie comics or people that just works in work in comics in general, and you can even tell by the people that work in mainstream that pretty much now are like jumping the Substack because they want to do indie comics. They've always wanted to do their own shit in the first place, and then they're yeah. put, they're putting out books anyway. You know, like I. Uh, anybody can write Spider. It seems like everybody's written Spider Man. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, is that every? Is that every? Not me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> in perception, because there's yeah. so many people that have written Spider Man, it's kind of like, okay, what happens with uh, if I, if I put out a Spider Man book, 
And you see like the backlash that pretty much a lot of creators are given, like a lot of the shit that's coming out on film, they don't get the credit that they deserve or like the royalties that they deserve. But yet if they put out their own IP and it goes on the screen, that's my shit. Oscar Isaac just made is just dropped a comic book on Kickstarter yeah. concurrently while being Moon Knight is yeah. genius. Yeah, it's like, why not? You know, that's, I mean, that's what that's why I started making that's why I made the cake because I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to get into the trying to like traverse this to, yeah, exactly. No, you're 100% right. Yeah, it's like and these indie comics are good. Like, I, I truthfully, they're, yeah. I mean, the, what the stuff I'm reading is better than like the ultimate Spider Man I read 10 of, years ago, of course. Yeah, and the and the thing is the subgenres. Like we we get that Marvel and DC don't really like jump into that unless you go into like DC Black Label and you get into like Dark Road to Perdition and History of Violence and stuff like that. That stuff you don't even perceive as comic books. V, v for Vendetta, you don't perceive yeah. those as comic books, but they're comic books. The Crow, they are. It's a comic book. You know what I'm saying? But you know, like a lot of people just see superhero, superhero, superhero. They don't even realize that Blade Runner is a comic book right now. You know what I'm saying? It's probably one of the best comic books out there, on yeah. like on Titan Comics and everything like that. It's it's a sci-fi driven comic. Uh, comic. It's super in depth. It's got a ton of dialogue, and it's literally written in the perspective of the mainstream medium, the the film itself, the two films that came out. So like to see that fantasy being brought to brought to focus. Shit, there's even like country western styled. Uh, spaghetti western style the uh, uh, comics that are out there the, the 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 opportunities are endless yeah and the thing is 100%. everybody's hitting the goal regardless of what they're doing every because you got to understand that you know there's a niche for everyone you know not everybody's gonna have the same personality some people even like, better yeah when like keanu reeves comes and he brings like tens of thousands of people onto the platform that's oh, that's good for it. us yeah, that's as long as they deliver, as long as they are delivering the product, it's good for everybody. Exactly. It's like Berserker being the biggest Kickstarter ever. I mean, I get it. There was there was this backlash behind it. But the thing is, I was like, you see what he did, right? And it was like, let me just all I'm going to do is add my name. People have read Berserker before. I'm just going to add my name. I'm probably going to get the artist to draw my likeness as Berserker. And let's see what happens, you know. I'm sure the people at Boom Studios was like, you know what I'm saying? This sounds like a great idea. This might be a big <laughs> marketing ploy for Berserker that wasn't there before when it was like a manga back in the day. So how do how do we just make it as big as what we want to make it? Let's just add Keanu. Keanu, of course, being a worldwide phenomenon as, a, as an actor. He's been in yeah. so many mainstream properties. Uh, he bounced back too like a motherfucker. Like a motherfucker. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You, just, you know, this is this is speed Keanu Reeves. You know what I'm saying? This dude turned from this to this. You know, Matrix pretty much made his career. And yeah. yet, and yet he still gets the opportunity to be like, hey, I want to attach myself to a comic book. Why not? Yeah. Why not? But yeah, no, the the, the indie comic space is, in, is incredible. And there's so many resources. That's the thing. It's like there's just so many resources. Everybody's super helpful. I very rarely ask for advice and get and get like no response done like that so it is fantastic and then we hadn't even gotten to like anime manga twitter Bruh. but we tapping it man i'm thinking of like a manga comic book i'm trying to tap into that black twitter market man look it's, it's not even there because they are black manga artists and creators that are out there currently right now midnight oh, absolutely bro and midnight comics that i got right here these little mangas right here they read they read from 
instead of right to left, they read from left to right, just like right, traditional mangas in, in Japan. That's really smart. That's really so, smart, Brandon. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, it, there's there's people out there. That, like I said, there's a niche for everybody. Everybody, everybody makes anything, and then somebody, if not a very large group of people, will like it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's such a big intersection between like, um, like black. I want to say like millennials. Like, and I, I see that like the the whole generation in in manga. Like, it it only makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get that bag too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I got some ideas cooking. I love the fact that the black anime community, the people that just love anime, are way bigger now than what they were when I was a kid. <laughs> are you sure? Are yeah. they bigger? Yeah, yeah. When when I was watching like Jinro and when Akira came out for the first time. Okay, fair enough. And you know what I'm saying? Like people that we we had to go find shit. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like it was us going to Blockbuster and West Coast video and there'd be this teensy weensy small section or you go to Suncoast video and literally had to spend $25 per episode for a DVD. And then you would literally yeah. broke by the end of the series. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm just saying. I'm thinking like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, but I'm like, uh, I was born in the Bro, 90s. The internet made everything accessible. Like when it yeah. came to when it came to like Crunchyroll and Funimation, when they basically put out the animes in which they wanted to, and then the people, of course, had the opportunity to download it illegally, and then they got to see it consistently on a day and day process. I wish I had that shit when I was young. <laughs> I mean, even even I wish. I, I mean, like yeah, even for me, like I remember very distinctly. Like I would have to, I used to like like dot hack. And dot hack came on at like 1 30 in the morning. Yeah. And you had to, you just, you, you, I mean, you would just stay up. I do miss like this kind of nostalgia of just like tunnels on tsunami. Tunnels on tsunami. Who knows? I saw yeah. a ghost in the shell episode and I still have not found the episode that it, you know, <laughs> no need. Like you'd watch one episode of that. It'd be mad. It would have just, it would have real estate in your mind forever. So, mm -hmm. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. The internet, the internet is like I've said it that the internet has raised the floor on making on making anything, making music. Like, um, if, as far as distribution, I I don't like when people say that that rap sucks nowadays. I'm mm. like, yo, maybe at find the very it. top, but you got to think there there are so there's so much rap music coming out today. Yeah, from a from a pure like quantity of good songs yeah. i mean you we can, had we had future future pusha and and dropping within like a month of each other yeah but you also there's probably some some guy that like nobody knows about yet making there's soundcloud there's all this stuff like it's just too much good music yeah. out there for me i'm remembering like we used to have to buy cds if you if you bought a cd and that shit was trash your whole weekend is yeah is gone you're playing in the car you basically want to throw it out the window throw it out the window yeah and hey, i'm hey, like and because there's so much of a quantity that's out there, you can find if you really love music, you'll find good music. You'll find the good music. You'll find the good comic books. You'll find, yep. you know, the only thing I think the only industry I think that hasn't like done it because it's so expensive is films. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. And even even I think the ceiling has been lowered in a sense in that you can go on Hulu and find like a great horror film. You know well, what I'm saying? They they put they put the the hoodest of hood movies on Amazon Prime. If you, oh, they, re well, if you really look for them, you know why that is. Amazon Prime will 
will host anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you can put you can put out art house distribution, like some shit that you made at your crib yeah. out on Amazon Prime. I wonder and, what those splits are like. And you'll and you'll get an audience. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. Some 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 people have that niche. Be like, I don't like watching two three hour movies. I need that shit to be an hour and a half. I better laugh, and that's it. No, you're right. No, it's it's great. It's a great time to be a creator. Definitely. So, uh, lastly, what do we expect from uh, from you for the rest of 2022, and what do we expect from the from decay? Decay is only gonna get better um, with it being a narrative. Um, with it with it being so negative fo- narrative focused, it's it's only gonna get better. It's only gonna grow as a narr- the narrative. We're gonna get to understand these characters better, the situation, the story better, the themes better. So it's it's only gonna go up from here. And I'm considering I'm really weighing making another series that might drop this year. Mm. I really have to see how this campaign goes. I have to talk to some people and figure it out. But I would like to run two series concurrently. Definitely. Well, bruh. Big ups to you because you got like three weeks left. I and I I see it happening. Is is pretty much gonna be there, bro? Yeah, absolutely. Well, now the question is, am I gonna make the big money? Because if it's, if I make the big money, yeah, that that series is coming out. Now, if it's kind of like we met because because I, I don't know if you know this, like you have the stated goal and then you have like the goal in your head, right? So if I hit the goal in my head, yeah, that that new thing is coming out this summer for sure. So, we got to see this is kind of a turning point and I'm kind of trying to figure out some things like, okay, I'm not a, I, I understand the, the, the comic medium, but I want to become even better. I want to be like a, as good as I can be. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm basically want to like, look, if, 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 if shit don't work out, it's not going to be through a lack of effort. Like that's what I'm thinking. So really I'm trying to go, I keep calling it a training arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to read comics. I'm going to understand the medium better try to be a like write better scripts um become become a better collaborator all, all kinds of stuff Word. well bro i appreciate you doing this with me this this was a fantastic conversation so uh anytime that you 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 need somebody to, to holler at you know to holler at me man thank you so now this is this is great it was definitely uh it, just doing these interviews and meeting all these great people and i'm just like it's going to be so much easier issue 3 or whatever happens of course. Like, i know who i want you know, yeah. I want this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Nah, man, this, this is fantastic. Word. So from Anthony Stokes and Decay, James Graham, Mass Effects Boys, we are out.